Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you guys could all be here and make it out. Um, been given chicken wings and knee bumps this morning rather than the high fives and the handshakes. Uh, anyways, like to thank you guys, welcome you for you know, Sound Words Bible Church. Also do appreciate all of you who do tune in online. Um, we appreciate you liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing, all those things. Is Those kind of help with the algorithms and helping us carry out that mission here at Sound Words Bible Church, which is to get all men saved through the gospel of Christ, get them to know the truth, understand their Bible, and how to walk in Christ. Because I think that's a big thing that a lot of people kind of want to know the answers to. Like, look, I know I'm saved, now what am I supposed to do about it? And, you know, well, we're going to get in the Word, we're going to study it, we're going to read it, study it, understand, build that inner man so that we know how we're supposed to walk. Um, likewise, if you are tuning in at a later date and time, we would like to invite you to join us here if you're in the greater Nashville area. Uh, we meet south of Nashville off of 65's in Cool Springs, Franklin area. We meet at 121 Seaboard Lane. And uh, even, if, even if you're in the area and maybe you want to grab a cup of coffee, shoot me a message. Let's meet. Let's talk. A uh, couple quick announcements, dates for you guys to kind of put uh, down. Uh, the Medina Bible Conference, it's the Tennessee River Conference. We meet right on the Tennessee River. It's held uh, by, uh, sponsored by Souls Harbor Church. The dates for that are going to be June 25th through the 28th. Uh, it's a wonderful time of fellowship. You, you kind of get to put away all the devices. You're, you're, you're in nature. I mean, it's a great, wonderful time. And so that's one, a couple dates uh, to mark June 25th through the 28th. We also have the summer family camp uh, July 11th through the 17th. This is a week-long event. Uh, it's held by, uh, sponsored by Shoreward Bible Church, uh, Richard Jordan and them up there in Illinois. Another dates to, to mark off. All right, I think that's all I have for now as far as announcements. Uh, we're going to sing a song. So if you guys want to open up in the song booklet, we're going to page 10. Page 10, grace that is greater than all our sin. Um, and if someone could double check just on the Facebook, make sure we're streaming the sounds coming through. All right, thank you. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary Mount outpour. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. 
grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe You who are longing to see His face Will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. We pray with me this morning. God, we thank you so much for your wonderful, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, Lord, that we have. What a God that we worship and sing praise to. We thank you for the incredible gift of grace that you've given us through your Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ delivering up your own Son to have His blood shed on the cross for our forgiveness of sins that we might be made right with you, God, and resurrecting Him up from the dead for our justification. And that those who put their, their faith and trust in you, God, you see them perfect and complete in your Son. What an incredible gift we have. This morning we pray that we have open hearts, mind, ears, just ready to receive your word and search the scriptures. We love you, Lord. Pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go turn to the book of Philippians this morning. Book of Philippians. Uh, we are in a series titled No Other Doctrine. And what we're doing is we are looking at a bird's eye view of the 13 epistles that Paul wrote. And, you know, some might ask, well, why in the world are you spending a whole entire series overviewing these 13 books? Well, if you look at the Bible, we've got a bird's eye view of the Bible Hill, the book, book of Genesis, and you've got the book of Revelation, and you've got 66 compose, uh, books composing this Bible. Now, only 13 of these books start with the same word. Paul. Paul. Paul, an apostle, and it's Romans through Philemon. And there's these 13 uh, epistles that are right after the book of Acts. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, I've been thinking about it this week. You guys watch football, I'm sure. We're in America. Pretty much almost every family watches the Super Bowl when it comes. And you think about football, the, the coach has a playbook, right? And in order to run that team, those players need to understand the playbook so that when the coach makes a call of what you need to do, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Well, it's the same thing when you look at the Bible. Of the 66 books, God has two playbooks in this book. All right? He's got two playbooks in this book. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven 
and the earth, right? God had a plan for heaven and earth. Satan sinned and defiled heaven, the heavenly places. Adam sinned and he defiled earth, and, and, and earth has, has been a, and, and the, a mess ever since then. It explains everything that we're seeing in the world today. And God has a plan to bring restoration to earth through that nation Israel, 53 books. God has a plan to bring restoration to heaven, those 13 epistles through the Apostle Paul. And if you really want to know what God is doing today, you need to get in those 13 books so you understand what the calls are and what the play-by-play play, play is. Because when you really break down the teachings that Christ taught through the, through the Apostle Paul versus those teachings that he gave to those 12 apostles and Peter, those are different plays. And if you, if you haven't seen this before, I, I did a video once. It's 17 points where Peter and Paul deferred. And I encourage you to watch it. It's 25 minutes. Might be hard to stomach. But it is literally a comparison, verse-by-verse verse comparison of those unique plays that God gave to Paul versus Peter. And there's a difference. And when things defer, they're not the same. So, right now we're in um, the book of Philippians. This is part 8. And this is the second of the prison epistles that Paul wrote. And how do we know that? We're going to read some verses that Paul straight up tells you he's in prison. And you know, I think what happens today is people like to over-spiritualize things when they read the scriptures. And this is something that I did in my past. Because when I read Prisoner in the past, I was thinking, oh, I'm a prisoner to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, there's this teaching about that where it's like you, you feel like you're trapped. Christ came to make you free. Let's just get that out first, right? Um, that's another Jesus. And then on top of it, no, he literally was in prison when he wrote this epistle. That's why he's saying he's a prisoner. Now, the book of Philippians... There's a couple things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about partakers of the affliction, the mindset of Christ, no confidence in the flesh, and being of the same mind. Now, quick facts about the Philippians. Like I said, this is the second epistle. So you got Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Paul wrote those. Those are those pre-prison epistles. You get to the book of Ephesians. That's the first book that you read that Paul wrote from prison. The next book in line is Philippians. And the Philippians, this book is uh, basically... All about the mindset of Christ. Having the mindset of Christ. That's what, if I were to just give you straight up, this is what it's all about. It's about having that same mindset of Christ. And I believe the Philippians were kind of puffed up a little bit. I think they were puffed up a little bit. They were thinking highly of themselves. And Paul was having to reprove them and saying, Hey, look, if you've trusted in Christ, if you've believed, you know, have the same, let this mind that was in Christ be in you. And, and, and you think about Christ, who is God. He humbled himself to the form of a servant. He could have easily come to this world and say, all right, everybody bow, worship, and serve me. But what did he do? No, he humbled himself, became a servant, and, and served all. And that's the mindset of Christ right there. Um, there's only four chapters in this book. You could literally read this book in five minutes. So I encourage you. Read through this book, the book of Philippians, sometime. Uh, read it three, matter of fact, read it five times this week. Go for it. Um, seven times you'll see the word mind appear in, in this book. And, and why, we, why, why do you think that is? Because it's all about the mind. What are you thinking on? What are the things that you should be dwelling on? And um, 
So we'll jump right in. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. And if you're hearing in my throat, I have terrible allergies, so don't freak out. <laughs> and if I cough, it's because of my allergies. I don't have all of that. And I might need a little bit glass of water or my coffee somewhere. All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Thank you, Pam. So, a couple things. First one, verse one, Paul and Timotheus. Notice what it says. The servants. You you look at a lot of Paul's epistles, usually it's, Apostles, right? Usually it's, a, you know, Paul, an apostle. Servants. I, I, I don't think that was a mistake. I, I think that was completely intentional that God wrote it this way. They were making themselves servants to the Philippians. They were serving them. And man, if, if people took this mindset of, of serving one another... Man, that's a lot. You're, you're able to reach a lot more people that way because when you come at it from, think about it. When you're when you're talking about spiritual things and you're trying to say you got to believe this, you got to believe that, you're basically trying to have dominion over someone's faith when you take that approach. But when you come at it from a form of a servant and not thinking highly of yourself and and you're speaking the truth in love and you're thinking about their profit, not yours. Well, now you've changed your mindset to that of a servant. You know, and that's how we should approach things. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Making requests with joy. When have you prayed and just had a complete just joy in your heart praying for another individual? That's an incredible gift that we have today that we can approach the throne. We can approach God with confidence, not by anything that we've done, but through what Christ has done for us on the cross and making requests of joy, with joy for, for our family, our friends, our loved ones, those that we're ministering to. And in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that He, who's He there? God, Jesus. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, until the day of Christ. I don't know about you, but maybe there's some times in your life where you're just completely beaten down and out, and you're like, what am I doing? Nobody wants to hear this. I'm alone, Lord. I'm trying to share your truth, but nobody wants to hear it. Everybody's turning their ears away. I feel like I'm on an island. What's the point? But it is... Christ in you, that's begun a good work in you, and who's the one that's going to perform it until the day of Christ? You or Him? Him. And we, we put our, our, our trust and our hope in Christ. We put our faith in the faith of Christ. It's Christ working in and through us. 
and a lot of people are trying to do this thing backwards, right? They're trying to do the work. They're trying to strive. And what I think happens is, you know, I think people, they, they, they get saved. They, they understand that Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose again from the third day. They've trusted in that. But then some, somewhere along their walk, another man comes into their life and will teach them, well, yes, but unless you do this, you're not saved. And so then what happens is they listen to this man, and multiple times you can read in Paul's epistles, beware, let no man deceive you. What happens is they get deceived, and then now they start building their life on what the Bible calls doctrines of men. And let's go to, hold this, let's just go back a couple, two books. Let's go to Galatians chapter three, two, three, Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to read the first three verses here. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? I'm going to give you a side note, that ye should not obey the truth if you have an NIV, ESV, NLT Bible, they remove that Ye should not that ye should not obey the truth. They remove that part out of there. Let's keep reading. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? I remember reading this this passage of scripture, and this was a long time ago. This was when I was reading out of my NIV, and I got so frustrated because I'm like, "This doesn't make sense." I'm frustrated, right? Because I knew what he was saying. I, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't fully comprehend. But what happened was, I got saved. And I thought that if I could now live a perfect, righteous life, now I'm doing the will of God. And what I was doing there was I was not obeying the truth that I am not righteous. I can't live a good life. That's exactly why Christ came and died on the cross for my sins. And I just need to trust that. I just need to believe that. And I just need to obey the truth. But, you know, I I think that's why I, I got so frustrated was I was trying to, to do the works of the law and keep the works of the law. And you read later in the book of Galatians, those who are trying to be, be those who are debtor to the law are debtor to the whole law. And you're under a curse. But cursed is anyone that hangeth on the tree. And that's exactly what Christ became for you and I. Christ became cursed on that tree for us. Taking away the curse of the law. Taking away the sting of death. Sin has no more power over us. We might still have sin dwelling in our flesh. We still might fall. Why? Because that sin is dwelling in the flesh, but as far as in the sight of God, Christ doesn't God doesn't see that. He sees you perfect and complete in his son. Amen. All right. So let's go back to the book of Philippians. Paul has his prayer in verses uh 9, 10, and 11, 
And, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, I pray this prayer for Sound Words Bible Church and everyone that's, that's tuning in. Verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So God, I can see God's heart in this prayer through the Apostle Paul. God wants you to have knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of Him. How do you grow in the knowledge of Him? Through His Word. Time and time again, you can read throughout the Bible, God's you, you take the word, you read in the book of Psalms, God has magnified thy word above all thy name, right? And when you get to the book of Revelation, you read what, what Christ, when he comes down, and I'm not talking about for the church, the body of Christ, I'm talking about the second coming of Christ. He comes in what? The name of the word of God. So, God wants us to grow in knowledge of him, and how do we do that? We've got to get in the book, book. we've got to read, we've got to study it. Why? So that we may be able to prove things that are excellent. That we will not be deceived if another man comes in and tries to make you, lead you away, stray from the truth of God. It's word. It's, it's very simple. So this first chapter, the overview, is really talking about Christ doing a good work. He's going to perform it in you until the day of Christ. And that day of Christ is Christ coming on the clouds. All right, Let's not get that confused. Uh, it's Christ coming in the clouds to sweep us away, sweep, catch up the body of Christ. And he talks about his imprisonment in verse 12. And he's t- explaining to the Philippians, look, I, I want, we'll read it, verse 12. But I would, ye should be, understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds, my bonds means his chains because he's in prison, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ and even of envy and of strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So Paul is explaining to the Philippians, look, I don't want you to be ignorant that, that me going into prison was was God's will to help get the word of God spread. Why? Because now those Philippians that Paul had established in the gospel of Christ, they were feeling much more bold and confident to preach the word without fear. And, and, and you know, that, that was part of, of the furtherance of the gospel. More men and men were rising up. They were ready. They were energized because they, could, they, they were feeding off that energy. Now... The rest of the chapter, we'll jump to verse 20. Uh, well, 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 verse 19, it's going to explain what we just read. Let's keep reading. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed 
but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, you know, that was Christ in Paul. Right, Christ was in Paul. But why are there so many people that just want to just throw out Paul's epistles? You want to know why? Because if the moment you start preaching Romans to Philemon, it completely destroys religion. And I'm going to tell you this much, it completely, there's absolutely no money in it. I mean, you really think about the grace of God. Wait, you mean I don't need to tithe? What was tithing? Tithing was a Jewish custom, right? Well, do you know of churches that are putting tithing on their congregation, saying that if you don't give, God's not going to bless you? But Ephesians tells us that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. uh, Colossians tells us that we're complete in Him. So, something to dwell on. I'm not trying to take a rabbit trail here. Now, in verse 23, we see a conflict in Paul. All right, In verse 23, For I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence that I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith. You know, I look at Paul and I just can completely relate with verse 23. I believe Paul, when he was doing his mission work and when he was, you know, was, when he was preaching the gospel, that there was a conflict in him that he's just like, I don't want to be any more part of this present evil world. I just want to depart and be with the Lord. I mean, I mean, think about it. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, I believe he was that one that was caught up into that third paradise and, and saw things that were unspeakable, that were not lawful for a man to speak. I mean, you think about the things that Paul saw and, and you know, desiring to depart, meaning he wants to just go and be with the Lord. I understand that. I can relate. But... It's more needful for, for, the, for the saints and us to be here present. Why? Because we need to help others receive that same joy that we have in the gospel of Christ. Right? It's nevertheless, to buy in the flesh, it's more needful for you. So we need to be here to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. To, to show them how to get saved, understand that, know the truth of how they're saved, and then how to walk in Christ. Why? So that they can now go have their unique ministry to reach people that we couldn't reach so that they could get saved, they can know the truth, and now they know how to walk in Christ. And Paul is the pattern that we're following. Christ was the head of Paul. Paul is the, God, begot us through the gospel, and we're being obedient to the Word of God that and magnifying that unique office that Paul had as the Apostle of the Gentiles, of the nations. And that's those 13 books. That's why we're doing this whole entire overview of the 13 epistles of Paul. Verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Man, in my Bible, I have those, those words bold. If, only let your conversation be as it becometh the Christ. Meaning, 
your your mouth is just full with the word full with the gospel of Christ and ready to just to share it. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One spirit with one mind. Do you think that the Philippians all had a different mind on things? I think so. And we're going to read a little bit later talking about people minding earthly things and us, our conversations in heaven, we'll get there, but we're supposed to speak the same, we're supposed to have the same mind. How do you have the same mind? The way you have the same mind is you get into the book and you understand the scriptures. The scriptures will straighten you out. Trust me, it'll do all the work. It'll do all the work if you just believe the words on the pages of the Bible, where they're written, to whom they're written to. All the Bible's for us, but there's only 13 books that are written to us. Right, um, so chapter two. When we get to this, well, first before I jump, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm gonna read verse verse twenty-eight through thirty. And in nothing, terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him's sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Well, man, I, I, don't hear, I, I don't hear that preached much. Wait, you're telling me I'm not only supposed to believe on him, but also to suffer for his name's sake? Remember I told you, why don't, why don't people want to deal with Paul's epistles? You start preaching this to people, you're going to clear out a room. <laughs> you will clear out a room. You really think about it. And those sufferings, what we're seeing right now in this country is nothing compared when you go and read the afflictions and the sufferings that that church went through. Uh, not only the little flock, but Peter, uh, Paul and the, the, the stripes and the imprisonments and the beatings and the stonings and being left for dead. Right now, we're okay. We're really, we're really lucky and fortunate. Yeah, I said lucky to be in this country. Because you go to these other places in the world where this book is banned and they're literally putting them to death. We're, we are. So, chapter 2. When we get to chapter 2, I, I just put, if you want to put something, this is the mindset of Christ over the chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. If there, therefore, be any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also, in Christ, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being the, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, that, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but, all, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. All right, give me a minute. God, Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbed to be equal of God, but made himself of no reputation. Became a servant. He became, he humbled himself. Became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. When I think about what Christ went through, and I, I look at God, taking the form of a man, walking this earth for 30 years, becomes a rabbi under what he was, he was of legal, he was that age according to the law to, to begin teaching, walked in signs and wonders, healing all manner of sickness and disease. And when I read Jesus Christ healing manner of sickness and disease, immediately those things happened back there. And I look, at, I, I look at him praying in the garden three times, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But nonetheless, not my will, thy will be done. And then looking at what he went through at Calvary. You know, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it just says that they flogged him, they crucified him, they uh, at the third hour he gave his last breath at the ninth hour i mean you you can read it really quick and you know the gospel of christ first corinthians 15 verse 3 and 4 how that christ died for our sins and what are the words according to the scriptures well you go back and you start reading in the book of isaiah and the book of psalms psalms says they plowed furrows upon my back they made long their rows that cat of nine tails over here in the Roman government was designed to rip flesh. There were trenches upon Jesus' back, right? A book of Isaiah talks about them plucking off the beard off of his face. It says they marred his, his vision beyond that of a man. Literally like beat him to the point where if you looked at him, he didn't even look like a man. And when you look at third hour, ninth hour, he was crucified naked to the cross, hung on there for, for six hours, and said, and, and then they gave him vinegar. You know, he was dehydrated. You want to drink vinegar and maul when you're hydrated? I mean, it, the, the shame. 
It says he endured the cross, despised the shame. The cross of Calvary was a shame. And this was his work. This was the work of God. This was the thing that Jesus Christ had to do so that you could be saved. And then he was, resur- he was buried for three days and resurrected. He stepped out in the outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. God raised him from the dead. Seated him at his own right hand. He became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him and given Him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. What's under the earth? Hell. And that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, to think of God humbling Himself to that point there's no other God that's bled and died for you. Go, go search and go study all the other religions. I did it. Go show, show me one God that's bled and died for you. Not only died, but was resurrected from the dead. He's the only God that's living. He's the only living God. So, if I'm yelling, guys, I'm not yelling at you. It's just... Um, I get told that all the time and I'm trying to work on it. All right, it's too late. Chapter three. Well, well, well let's uh, let's read a couple things here before we move on. Um, verse nineteen, Second Philippians chapter two, verse nineteen. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your estate. For I have no like-minded who will naturally care for your sake. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. You know, as I was reading that this week, I thought a lot about verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. I think that's a depiction of a lot of believers today. I think that's a depiction of a lot of believers today. But... Verse 22, but ye know the proof of him. And, and Paul's talking about Timothy. That is a son with the father, and he hath served me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Why? Because, look at what he says, he hath served. He took on that mindset of Jesus Christ. He became a servant. That's why when we read Philippians 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. We need to have this mindset. We need to think that we are servants. Not coming here to be served, but to serve others for their profit and not ours. I'm not going to spend time looking through 25 and 27 where it talks about Ephroditus, a brother that was a companion in the laborer, a fellow soldier of the gospel of Christ, but he was sick and sick nigh unto death. And I think there's a reason why Paul couldn't heal him, because there was coming a time when the signs and wonders gifts were ceasing. That's why when Paul tells Timothy, drink a little wine for thine infirmities. I'm not going to go on that, but uh, I'm just making mention of it. Um, Chapter 3. Well, verse 26 and 27, I don't think... Oh! Hold on. My notes are all jumbled. 
All right, I am going to talk about 25 through 27. Thank you. All right, so yet I suppose it necessary to send Ephroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and that he ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because ye, that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed, he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Why didn't Paul heal him? Paul was an apostle. He walked in the signs and wonders. Why couldn't he heal him? Well, when you compare 1 Corinthians 12 and you compare Ephesians 5, uh, 4 and you look at the gifts, who needed signs and wonders? Jews. Signs and wonders through your Bible. The only time God did signs and wonders was for the Jews. By signs and wonders, He delivered Moses and the children of Israel from the Pharaoh. By signs and wonders, God used His prophets to speak the words of the Lord to Israel. And what did Israel do? They killed the prophets. When you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God used signs and wonders through Jesus Christ, a man approved of God by signs and wonders. Why? Because Jesus told those Jews, unless ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And then when we get to the book of Acts, we see the apostles now doing greater things. Greater things. And, and they were walking in signs and wonders. Why? Because signs and wonders were a mark of an apostle of God. You needed those signs and wonders. But then there came a point where Israel fell. They've been set aside. That's not God's chosen people today. The church, the body of Christ are. God is forming that body. And when it's filled up, Christ is going to come on the clouds and take the body of Christ out of here. Jews required signs. Period. Ephroditus was sick nigh unto death. Could Paul heal him? No. Why? Because I believe there was that transition period where tongues shall cease, prophecies will fail, and in knowledge it will pass away. For I see through a glass darkly then, but then I will know full. Meaning that the purpose of the signs and wonders and gifts was to spread the gospel of Christ. Every single time it was to help someone get saved. But you've got people today teaching these doctrines, hoarding it over people, saying, look, if you don't have this thing, you're lacking something in Christ. I read an article this week, and this was one of the churches that I was a part of. It's a mega church out in California. And guess what they did? They canceled their faith healing service. Why? Because of the coronavirus. Hold on, I'll say that one more time. They, they canceled their faith healing service because of the coronavirus. If you can really walk in the signs and wonders today and heal people, why don't you go to the hospitals where all the sick people are, all the mentally ill, and go cast out these things in the name of Jesus? Why? You can't do it. That's not, that's not part of the playbook today. God isn't doing that today. He did that in times past. He's gonna, you're going to see another one doing it in times future, and guess who that is? That's not Jesus Christ. That's Satan walking in power and signs and lying wonders. If you don't think Satan has power, you're gravely mistaken. He's going to have his own own holy trinity over here. He's going to have a son that's going to get beaten in the head. He's going to be dead, and he's going to be resurrected from the dead. Something to think about. Something to think about. Uh, so when we get to Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, 
We'll read verse 1. Finally, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed it is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. And beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man other think that, thinketh that he where he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Alright, so what's going to happen is Paul is breaking down being aware of men that are glorying in the flesh. They have confidence in the flesh. These are Jews, alright? They Think about it. Jews, they were given the law of God. They were given the covenants of promise. They had all of this inheritance uh, that God had given. And all of the Gentiles, they had nothing. They had no hope. I'm talking about the heathen Gentiles, the ones that didn't become proselytes. They had no hope. They were strangers from the covenants of promise, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, without God and without Christ. All right? So there, there, is, there are people that are having confidence in the flesh, and he tells us that we have no confidence in the flesh. Why are people having confidence in the flesh? The flesh and the spirit have always been at odds with one another. You're either walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. You're either satisfying the spirit or you're satisfying the flesh. You're going to reap whatever you sow. But the, the point being is that Paul is, is appealing to these men that are having confidence in the flesh. And he tells them, look, circumcise the eighth day. That's a Jew. He would, Paul, was a, Paul was a Jew and a Roman in one body. All right? He was a Jew and a Gentile in one body. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. So Paul is talking about, it's interesting, it's a side note, Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Those are only two faithful tribes, all right? Side note. All the other tw- ten tribes, they were the unfaithful ones. But anyways, he's saying, look, this is what I am according to the flesh. But he, you know what he says later? He talks about all of that religious experience. Uh, uh, let's go to verse... What I want? I'm finding it. Hold on. I know we're right in here. Well, let's just read it. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul says, look, I look at my religious experience, I look at my flesh, and I look at, he was a doctor in the law. He knew that, this Old Testament better than anybody. And you can read in, the, in his testimony, three times he gives his testimony in the book of Acts. You know what he counts all of his religious experience? Dung. You know what you do with dung? You flush it down the toilet. It's all bad doctrine. It's all bad doctrine. And every single one of us have been brought up in some religious background. We've been taught things from men, and we've, been, we've accepted those things freely. But when you realize that religion has absolutely nothing to deal with God, religion is dung. You flush religion down the toilet. 
You flush it down the toilet. That I may know Him, verse 10, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made comfortable unto His death if by any means that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. You know all these people that want to say they want to walk in the power of God? You want to walk in the power of God? Trust in the Gospel of Christ. It was God that resurrected Him from the day and you simply believing in that seals you with that Holy Spirit of promise. And guess what? That same mighty power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is now dwelling in your heart, in your body. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a temple of the Most High God. Don't let any man ever tell you different. You don't need to seek the presence of God. Why? Because the presence of God is living right here inside you and me. Christ, the hope of glory. You got glory living inside you. You got the living God living inside you. All right? Brethren, verse 13. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have a high calling. Are we inheriting the earth? Are we going to be in that land, the kingdom of heaven, New Jerusalem coming down that's going to be here on the earth forever? And that, no. We have a high calling. We're going to be where Christ is. Where's Christ at right now? The right hand of God. You and I are going to spend eternity with Christ in heavenly places. You think about the stars. Think about the stars that we look up at, right? God created everything. Created heaven, earth, the stars, you and me. You can't. You, you, Paul talks about in Romans one. You look at creation, you can see the Godhead on display. It was all His doing. And you think about the stars. Book of Psalms says He telleth the number of stars. He knoweth each by name. You know that there's not been NASA or one single human in this world that's ever been able to tell the number of the stars. They can't. But God, guess what? The one who created all knows every single star and has named every single one of them. And what did, what did Paul tell us? What did Christ tell us through Paul in, in Philippians 2? He gave him the name that is above, every, all, uh, above all names. Jesus Christ has a name that's above all those stars. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, that high calling, you and I, when Christ comes in that arc trumpet of the angel, it sounds, you and I are going to go for a trip, man. We're going to go far up there above. You can't even see it. We, I mean, you, it's incredible. I can't wait. I just can't wait. I can't wait. I press on towards the high calling. I forget about my religion. I forget about my dung. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to study the scriptures. I want to understand who I am, that inheritance that I have, which is that high calling. And so I'm not going to be deceived by any man. Verse 16, Nevertheless, whereunto he have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have, an, uh, uh, have us for an example. Now pay attention. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Wow. That there are, they, they are the enemies 
of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself." So Paul tells the Philippians, look, keep following me as I am as of Christ. You need to mark those who are following me. Paul followed Christ. I mark Paul, I follow Paul as he follows Christ. And there's this chain that you have with men, right? Men and women. And that's what happens. And so we're, supposed, we're, we're told to be mark those that are following Paul and the doctrine that you find there. Why? Because there are many, there are many, and Paul told him, told, told them weeping. I can't imagine the the frustration, the heartbreak that Paul was experiencing. That he's weeping, saying, "Hey, look!" Because there's a lot of guys that are walking in the name of Jesus, teaching people in the name of Jesus, talking about a Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, and who are they serving? They're not serving the, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're serving their own bellies. And what does it say? They're enemies of the cross. When you really break down and have conversations with people about what the gospel is, and they say, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, was buried, rose again from the third day. All right. Can you lose it? Can you lose your salvation? And you can watch people's reactions. There's a hesitancy there. They might get a little bit uneasy. They might squirm. Why? Because some man told them that unless they repent and be baptized, and unless they keep all these works, and unless they get their life right, they're not saved. I'll never forget one time I was singing a worship set, and there was a song that talks about, Oh, may I then in Him be found. I can't remember what song it was. And a guy came up to me in tears saying, that was such an awesome song, Alex. I just hope and pray that I'll be able to make it there someday. And my heart just broke for that man. I broke, my heart broke for that man. Why? Because he was worried. He's talking about, I hope I'm not the separated, I'm not, I hope I'm not in that group that's the sheep and the goats. And I got news for you. You're not a sheep or a goat. All of us are just a bunch of dogs today. Alright? And when you get into Paul's epistles... You, that's the only place you can find eternal security. Three times tells us that we're sealed. And if God seals something, who can unseal it? Only God can. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. And that's why he says right then and there, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body according to the working, right? Whereby he is able to even to subdue all things unto himself. You're going to be fashioned with the glorious one day. And it's not anything that you're doing. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to do it to you. All right. Now uh, we're going to wrap things up. Chapter 4. Um, chapter 4, we're going to basically, we've talked about partaking the afflictions. We've talked about having the mindset of Christ. We've talked about being aware, being aware, let no man deceive you. And then Paul's going to tell the Philippians in chapter 4, be of the same mind. 
And how do you be of the same mind? Well, we need to be thinking about the same things. What are those things that we're supposed to think about? He's going to tell you right here. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, here's the things to think about. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9, we're not going to stop. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's the next word? Do. Paul's talking. Who's the me? Paul. Those things that you have learned in Romans 2, Philemon. Those things that you've received, the gospel of Christ. Those things you have heard, how to walk in Christ. And those things that you've seen in me. You can read Paul from Acts 9 through Philemon. Do. And then see that word, colon, that, 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 the thing there? And the God of peace shall be with you. Are you lacking peace in your life? Do what Paul says. Do what Christ told Paul to do. There's going to be peace in your life. That's a promise of God right then and there. You might, is it going to be easy? No. I'm going to straight up tell you there's going to be afflictions that are going to come with it. You might lose friends over this. You might lose your best friends over this. You might be at odds with family members. It might be hard. There might be trouble. But guess what's going to happen? You're going to have peace that only God can give you that passeth all knowledge and understanding. You can't comprehend it. But you got it. You got it. If you haven't trusted in the gospel of Christ, or maybe you've been dragged away from the grace of Christ, and you've got some dung that you need to flush down the toilet, do it. Don't believe me. Don't believe a man. Read those scriptures, Romans through Philemon, get in it. You can read through Romans through Philemon, I'm sure, in an hour if you wanted to. Get in there. Read it, study it, unlearn some things, and then let the Word instruct you in what you're supposed to do. Put your faith and trust in Christ. His grace is sufficient. His sacrifice is enough. You look at what Christ did for you on your behalf. How could you possibly do anything in your flesh to satisfy God? You can't. Stop trying. Start trusting. Trust in God. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank You so much. We thank You so much for the good work that You've begun in our lives and that You're going to perform it until You return. We thank You for the mindset of Christ that we can study in the Scriptures. And, and I pray those who are listening that we would take that same mindset as Christ. That we be on guard, have no confidence in the flesh, and that we press on towards that high calling that we have in heavenly places, and that we be of the same mind. 
We love you, Lord, and pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today.